Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.livinghopemd.com. I pray that today's message blesses you and that you enjoy the word as it is shared today. I'm so lost to be found, and I know it's in my mind. Praise the Lord, church. How are y'all doing today? Praise the Lord. Uh, yeah, it's one of those mornings, I guess. It's a little chilly now, you know, and a little gloomy. Um, may wanted to sleep in a little bit. I did. <laughs> I'll be honest, I did. I was telling Pastor, I I stayed up all night, and uh, at six in the morning, my body was like, "Yeah, I think you should you should go to sleep. I think you should go to bed." And I'm like, "All right." And then. I had my alarms off so they don't bother me, and then my other alarm, where's she at? Oh, um, she <laughs> woke me up. It's a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad. I, I needed to be here. Uh, if otherwise, uh, somebody would have had to step up here, and uh, it wouldn't have been nice. Um, so I'll go ahead and get started. If you don't mind opening your Bibles to the book of Romans, and we'll be reading there on chapter 8. And I'll be lingering in this whole chapter um, this morning. I'll be teaching off of that. That's where I get my teaching from. And I want to start with uh, by giving honor to Pastor and Brother Roberts for this opportunity to be here. It's truly an honor, um, especially knowing that Brother Roberts will be pastoring somewhere else, and we won't have him. We won't have him, and, uh, you know, this is what you got. Um, but it'll get better. You know, it has to get bad before it gets good, you know? So it may have to come through me, then, you know, maybe Brother brother Trey, he's he's good, you know, so we'll go up the ladder a little bit. <laughs> Love you, Brother Trey. I, I don't mean to put you out there like that. Romans chapter 8. This is a, the effects of not getting enough sleep, just to let you know. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm just, please, <laughs> no, please. Romans 8, uh, I'm going to start there on verse 31. Um, for those of you all that had to flip that extra page. Uh, the Bible says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded, persuaded, I'm sorry, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in our Christ Jesus Lord. 
Amen. Before I start, I just want to pray for this word. Um, kind of struggle a little bit. Um, I just want to pray that God would move in this place, that he will be glorified through this. Um, so can you just raise your hand with me and we'll pray. Lord God, I give you thanks for this opportunity to be up here, Lord God. I do not take it lightly, but Lord, I pray that you be glorified through this word, Lord God. Let you speak and not me, Lord God. Let your anointing fall, Lord, and use me as a mouthpiece, Lord God, to bring forth the word with passion, Lord. And, and give me that, that discernment, Lord God, to be able to discern this word that you have given me today. And Lord, I pray that you would do great things in this place, even in Sunday school. And Lord, I pray that your spirit will move freely in this place, Lord God. We allow you to move in this place, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You all may be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, the book of Romans, chapter, chapter 8, is, is, it's been one of my favorite um, go-to scriptures whenever I'm praying. Because I like reading the promises of God that God has there. Uh, one of my favorite ones right there was, you know, of course, that what can separate us from the love of God. And then it goes to name all these things, you know. That are, that are there that may try to separate us from the love of God, but it says not even these things will separate you from the love of God. And if you ever um, get stuck praying, I, I would encourage you all to read that because a lot of times we may feel unloved, you know, um, but I want to I wanna say that you are loved by God. All right? The title I've given this lesson is More Than Conquerors. More Than Conquerors. Uh, the book of Romans is a book that is written by the Apostle Paul, and it's a letter uh, dedicated to Christians living in the capital of the Roman Empire. And it's one of the most crucial and important books of the New Testament because, of one, of, uh, because one of its main themes is justification by faith. Like I said, I like reading, you know, that's been my go-to scripture, uh, my go-to book uh, for quite some time. I don't know it by heart, but, you know, I've been reading it more than once. So we can spend days talking, like I said, and analyzing each verse. Uh, and each topic that was spoken. But today I want to focus on this chapter, which is chapter 8 of the book of Romans, like I said, um, because uh, what we just read in the scriptures is something that has been in my heart for quite some time. Like I said, I've been, I've been dwelling on this for quite some time, and I want to share it with you all. Uh, we know that in times like this, in times like we're living right now, with all the stuff going on in the world, you know, the news, the media, the um, world, really, um, you know, it's it's it is um it's easy to say like oh like don't worry you know just have faith and try to remain calm and everything will be all right. We try to you know tell each other yeah everything will be okay and it will, uh, but nevertheless we still have this flesh right on us and sometimes we tend to act on our flesh and not in the spiritual or in faith. It is in these times that many people will find themselves gripping onto fear and being so afraid that they ignore the promises of God. Uh, so I thank God today for his promises. Anybody thankful for his promises today? We have to be thankful for God's promises. I am grateful to know that if suffering comes my way, uh, if trials and tribulations and oppositions, fear, or whatever the case may be, I am thankful to know that we are more than conquerors. Like I said, my title is, you know, More Than Conquerors. And like I said, I'll cover this in, in most of chapter 8. But chapter 8 begins right there with a promise on, in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Uh, Paul says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in, G in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now this is a hard promise to believe because uh, the only one that can condemn you better than anyone is yourself. 
Uh, yes, we may be in Christ, like it says right there, but when we fail, when we have shortcomings, when we sin, we tend to be the first ones to condemn ourselves. And then the enemy, of course, takes advantage of that and begins to condemn us as well. The problem is uh, it's easy to understand, it's easy to read, it's easy to comprehend, but it may be hard for uh, some of us to execute. All right? We read many things in the Bible, many promises, and sometimes we say, oh, that's not for me. You know, I've, I've done things. You know, I used to say, if I ever show up to a church, it's going to catch on fire, you know, from all the, all the things I'm bringing in here. You know, but thank God for his mercy. And the building's not, you know, lit up. Maybe a lightning might fall. <laughs> but no, let's hope not. Uh, but the solution right there is that we must walk in the spirit of God and not in our flesh. You know, our flesh will deceive us, and it will desire what the flesh desires. You know, that's what the, you know, the flesh does. It desires flesh things, you know, but, but it says right there, um, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ, the ones that walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, Proverbs 3, uh, verses 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto your own understanding, right? Do not lean unto what you think is right, but you must trust the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because your mind will lie to you. you. Your mind will deceive you. In all thy ways acknowledge him, continuing on, and he shall direct thy path. So you have to always keep him in mind. It says there, acknowledge him in all your ways, so that way he, so that way he will direct your paths. Keep him in your mind. I wrote there, uh, WWJD, we all know, like, what would Jesus do? You know, when you encounter many things, you may have to think about that. What would Jesus do? You know, keep that in your mind. If I, if Jesus, um, well, not me, but I'm not Jesus, but, you know, if, if I ever encounter a situation, I, I try to cover myself. Um, you know, I, I often think, like, what would Jesus do in this case? And I try to act upon that, you know. Um, I try to acknowledge him so he can direct my path, like it says right there. Uh, continuing on, be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It's like, don't, don't, be, don't get your wisdom from what you see. You know, don't, don't, don't follow what you see. Fear the Lord. It says, show reverence to the Lord. Don't be afraid of him, but show reverence, that respect, and depart from evil. It means stop doing evil things, you know. Uh, continuing on in Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. They follow the things of the spirit. I read a commentary about this, and it says, Now, Man is composed of three parts, that is body, mind, and spirit. The mind being synonymous with the soul, the consciousness of a man, and the consciousness of a man is responsive to whatever controls a man. So if a man is controlled by his body appetites, right, if a man is living uh, predominantly after the flesh, then he, then he is what has been termed here as the mind of the flesh. He only thinks after the flesh. Or is mindful of only fleshy things or body needs. And this is the state of natural man apart from Jesus Christ. This is the natural man without God, seeking after the flesh, right? It is that body consciousness, and you, and you talk to the average person apart from Jesus Christ, and they're going to be talking to you about things that relate to the body. They, they are going to be talking to you about new recipes, new desserts, or they are going to be talking to you about drinks or things that can relate to body appetites. This is a commentary. It's not me saying it, okay? Just 
uh, because that is where the mind of the natural man is, because the body is in control. What he's thinking about is constantly about those body needs or the body drives. But when a man is born again of the Spirit of God, and the Spirit then is in control of his life, then that man then is concerned with spiritual things, and he's going to be talking about God, his relationship with God, the work that God has done in his heart, the work of God in his life, uh, spirit, and how to please the Lord. That's how he will talk about how to serve the Lord, and his conversation is going to be addressed to spiritual things. So he will no longer seek after the flesh. When you're born again, you will start to speak about the spirit and the good things that come with the spirit. Such a man seeks to relate himself to God because he is living after the spirit. He's seeking after God so he can relate uh, uh, to God. Now, the spirit of God is it's a God-given gift, obviously, that is given to us not only to speak in other tongues, but the spirit of God is a gift that he gives us to be able to have his power within us. Can anybody testify that when you receive the Holy Ghost, nothing was ever the same? Your, 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 your mentality began to change. Your desires, your walk maybe a little bit. You know, you didn't want to listen to the same things. You didn't want to be in the same places. You didn't want to hang out around the same people. You know, to many of us, all, those, all of those things happened. You know, all of the above. You no longer had the same desires. God began to lead you. His spirit begins to lead you in your walk, talk, and what you hear, and what you see, and what you seek after. Right? But continuing on in, in Romans 8 and 6, for the, carnal, uh, for the carnally minded is death, but, the, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, Romans 8 and 6 says. It is talking about a spiritual death, not a physical death, or separation from God when being uh, carnally minded. When you seek after the flesh, you're separated from God, and you only seek after what your mind is seeking. Romans 8 and 7, continuing on, uh, because a carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. It is opposed to God. It's against it because God declares that the spirit is superior to the material and that a man has to be more concerned with the spiritual realm than the material realm. The problem is that nowadays the opposite is being said. The world is saying just the opposite, that a man has to be more concerned with the material realm rather than the spiritual realm. So there's conflict between man and God right there. God tells you that you must put the spirit first, seek uh, the kingdom first, so they that have the mind of the flesh find themselves at enmity with God. They're against God. That is what his word says. It also let us know that we are stubborn. We are hard-headed when we have that carnal mindset. Rereading again says, for it is not subject to the law of God. You're not being subjected to the laws of God. Neither indeed can be. Right? It does not abide by the laws of God, it says. Keep in mind that if this was to happen in our world, you know, in the, in the world, not in the spiritual, uh, if, if someone does not abide by the local laws, you know, you'll hear a sheriff's office, you know. <laughs> if you do not abide by the local laws, we speaking of it. Oh, man. Um. If someone does not abide by the local laws, you know, you'll hear the knock. You know, you'll feel the fear of God. Um, that person is considered reckless, right? If you're constantly getting in trouble, not abiding by the laws, it's considered reckless, a loose cannon, uh, crazy Joe, you know, <laughs> disobedient, and so on. Is there a Joe in the house today? Sorry. 
Not, not you. Oh, Josie, I'm sorry. Uh, so I imagine that not being subject to the loss of God should make us worse than that. Worse than that crazy Joe. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> wrong choice. Crazy Eric, how about that? Crazy Eric. Mm. My goodness. So like I said, so I imagine that not being subject to the loss of God should make us worse than being just a reckless, regular person. We're reckless in the spiritual, too, as well. Uh, we take recklessness and all that to a whole nother level. But I am grateful for the love and mercy, uh, and mercy of God that even in our shortcomings, he is faithful to forgive us, right? Even if we break his laws. Continuing on, uh, Romans 8 and 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God, it says. Often we find ourselves seeking to offer God the works of our flesh and seeking that God would accept the works of our flesh, but God will no more accept the works of flesh than he would Cain's. Like Cain in, in the book of Genesis, uh, who sought to offer God the works of, of his flesh, and he was rejected by God. He was not pleased. Well, Cain, was, um, God was not pleased, and I'm sure Cain wasn't pleased either. Uh, but it is interesting how we so often find ourselves in that place of seeking to offer God the works of our flesh, but they that are in the flesh cannot please God. We are not pleasing to God if we keep walking on the flesh, you know. I'm speaking to, I'm saying we because I'm speaking to myself as well. I'm not uh, saying you all, but we, you know. Um, we cannot please God if we are in our flesh. Romans 8 and 9, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, it says. It's confirming. If so, be that that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have, have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. It is speaking about those who have been born again. That born again is actually being born of the spirit. Uh, when Nicodemus asked Jesus, how can a man be born again uh, when he is old? Can he return to, uh, say, can I return to my mother's womb again and be born again? I pray not. <laughs> I'm glad the process was not like that. I'm glad Jesus said, I have another way. <laughs> I have a, yeah, a different way. I love my mom, but things should only happen once. Jeez. Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, as you can see. But that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't marvel when I say to you, you must be born again. You must be born again of the spirit, not flesh, okay? Just as we have been born in the flesh and we are here, it is just as necessary that we are that we have a spiritual birth. For a man by nature is separated by God, right? God did not intend for us to live after the flesh and be a slave to our flesh, but God intended us to live and walk after the spirit. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if the spirit of God is dwelling in you, right? But if any man doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. That's what the scripture says. You really don't belong to him unless you have had that second birth, the spiritual birth, which in turn, we use born again. It is amazing to me how God revealed to me that when someone is spiritually born again, the process is like childbirth. I read that narrating, but th th that, was, that was supposed to be my point. So I'm just amazed how God revealed to me um, that when somebody's spiritually born again, the process is just like childbirth, right? A child doesn't stop growing after it's, it's born. And at the same time, a man isn't born a full-grown man. You know, ladies, be thankful. 
but there's a process and there's feeding involved and growth and regenerating. When a, when a child is born, there's a process for him to grow, for him or, or her to grow, right? Like I said, there's feeding involved. You must be fed, right? You want to be uh, born nice and strong. And growth, you know, you have to grow, obviously, and regenerating. The reason I say regenerating is because we become regenerated in the, in the spiritual sense as well as in the flesh. You know, our, they say our skin changes every seven years. I'm not sure. You know, I, I do flake a lot, so I don't know if that's why. But there's other reasons for that, you know. Likewise, when we are born again of the Spirit, there's also a growing process taking place. We don't stop growing after being born again, and we are not born fully um, We are not born again fully perfected. It's a process. There's a process. Just like a child growing up to its full potential, we must grow in the Spirit. Uh, we must be born again in the Spirit and grow to our full potential. We are not reborn of the spirit already perfected, knowing everything and, you know, walking in the spirit and casting out devils and laying hands and all that. It must be nice. It may happen, but there's a process that must be followed in order to get to that point. All right? Romans 8, 10 through 11, uh, continuing on. And if Christ be in you, it says, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is, the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of God... I mean, but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised from, uh, up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. In other words, even though we're still living in this body, we can begin to experience victory over our flesh. We don't have to live as subject to our flesh anymore. We don't have to be slaves to our flesh. We can begin to live in victory after the flesh because, uh, because of that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. It makes us alive in him. Amen. Uh, Romans 8, and, uh, eight uh, continuing on, uh, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are de uh, debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do mortify these of the body, you shall live. It is through the help of the Spirit that we put to death the deeds of the body, or that they become so, uh, subservient, and the Spirit becomes dominant. There's a reward when we are being led by the Spirit, and that is becoming everything we can be in God. Not only that, but living, yielding, and being led by the Spirit is the first step in becoming more than conquerors. Amen? Amen? Because we have to be born again of the Spirit in order to partake of that, of that victory that is promised to us, like I said, in the promises that, that we've read here this morning. The second point, uh, I want to begin in Romans 8 and 14. It says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the Son of God. Now, after reading this, it is important that each of us now make a personal inventory and evaluation and ask ourselves these questions. Is my life led by the Spirit of God? As we look in our lives, can we honestly say, yes, my life is led by the Spirit of God? Can we? For it says, for as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are told uh, to be careful so we don't deceive ourselves. We are told that our heart is deceitful and wicked, but this verse should be a searching verse and one that we should allow to search our hearts today. Am I led by the Spirit of God? You, you can ask yourself, for as many that are, that are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, is what it says. How can I really know that I am the Son of God? Because I will be led by the Spirit of God. That's how you know. But 
If I am being led by my flesh, dominated by my flesh, then I am only lying to myself if I say I am a son of God. We belong to him through his spirit, right? Uh, there's many people that change their name, maybe, like, I am Eric of Jesus, you know. Um, and the reason I say that is because in, in Hispanic culture, they do that, you know. They claim to be <laughs> hardcore son, children of, of, of God, and I've met a lot of people with last names of Jesus, you know. Um, in Mexico, not here, you know. I think they change their name when they come here, but, um, but yeah, they're claiming that, but they may be not walking in the Spirit, you know. But how do we know that we are His? Because we walk in the Spirit. Amen. Uh, Romans eight fifteen through 17, continuing on. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, and heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. So if that we suffer with him, we may be also glorified together. I had a hard time with that word in the past. Uh, heir, I used to read it, hair, uh, learning English. You know, because the lost H is a, a sound. and Yeah. That's why English is really hard, you know. Yeah. So I'm glad I said it right because I was seeing hair in my mind. When we are adopted, <laughs> when we are adopted through the Spirit of God, we enter into a deeper relationship with Him. It, it reminds us that we are no longer slaves to our flesh, causing us to fear, but we are now adopted and we can cry out to Him and He will respond. It says there we cry out, Abba Father, which is. Um, a term of endearment, you know, we can have that personal relationship with God once we are adopted by the Spirit. In order to be more than conquerors, we must be adopted through the Spirit. So we have, uh, so we have to be freed from this corrupt world. We must put on Christ through baptism, and we must be born again of His Spirit. So we may be adopted and become heirs of God and receive everything He has for us. And that is the next step in becoming more than conquerors, is that we must be adopted by the Spirit of God. Uh, continuing on, Romans 18. I'm not going to skip around a few verses. There's Sister Simone, just um, to let you know. It says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestations of the sons of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit the, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But we know that all these things work together for the good to them that love God. Amen. To them who are then called according to his purpose. Moreover, whom did he predestinate them, he also called. And who he called them, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. Now that's, that's pretty deep promise. Um, King James really messes me up a little bit. So I had to reread it in, in another translations um, to get a better understanding. And unfortunately, I wrote it down on paper and I forgot to transfer it here. I just noted that at notes, and I forgot to do that. I apologize. Um, but if you see me, I can, I can give you my notes because 
uh, there's no way of trying to remember all of this, you know. You know, I know they say if God did it before, he'll do it again. I'm praying. I'll be waiting, okay. Skipping down, uh, all the way down to Romans 8, 31 through 39. I apologize so much. I, oh, man. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, so I'm, I'm going to go back to where we started um, in our opening text. So what, what uh, shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spares his own son, but delivered up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ, is asking. Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, Paul here asks a lot of questions, you know. First of all, he asks, if God is for us, who can be against us? Satan is against us, right? The world is against us. Our flesh is against us. We are against ourselves, you know? We are our worst enemies sometimes. It's sad to say, but it's true sometimes. Uh, the Lord, uh, Psalms 118 and 6, David says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. If God be for us, the truth is God is for you. God is for you. Just tell somebody God is for you. And because God is for you, it doesn't matter what forces of hell may be against you. They are, that, uh, they are nothing compared to God, it says. Nothing can separate us. If God be for us, who can be against us? We, and we've heard this before, you know, uh, to never think of Satan as the opposite of God. Now, I got this from a, from a, from a preaching that happened here a, a couple weeks ago. Um, I forgot who it was, but he was saying, um, never think of Satan as the opposite of God because he is not. Not all the opposite of God. You can't put them in the same category. God is infinite, the eternal creator. Satan is a finite, uh, finite, created being. So he has an end. In no way is Satan opposite of God. There's no black and white, yin-yang, dark side, light side, Star Wars stuff, you know? Kind of like that. That's how I see it. I'm sorry. He may be opposite to Michael the angel or to Gabriel the angel because he was an angel. He's opposite to them because he fell. These angels didn't, but never to God. So never think of Satan as opposite of God, right? He is against you, but he does not have the same power. He does not have the same, uh, yeah, the same power as God. And even, and even though forces of hell may be gathered against us, they are nothing compared with that power that is available to us because God is for us. Turn to somebody and say, God is for you. Who shall separate us, continuing on, from, uh, who, who, can, uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Now, Paul here is pulling every excuse 
of the book, you know? Like, what can separate us? You know, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword, you know? Uh, breaking it down, tribulation, you know, we go through trials and stuff. Even though we go through those trials, it does not separate us from the love of God. Distress, when you're in need, when you're in need of help, that is when God actually works. That's when God comes in. Keep in mind that all these things are meant to separate us from God, but in reality, what happens is that we run through any of these things, that is when God reveals himself to us. In the tribulation, in the distress, in the persecution, in the famine, you know, when, when we are hungry for him, it says famine, lack of food, right? Lack of word, lack of, you know, have, lack of need, he is there. All that will try to separate us, but he is there, or nakedness. Now, I won't demonstrate, but nakedness is just lack of not having anything. But not, not, not bodily nakedness. Um, it's just a way of saying you have nothing at all, right? When you're at your lowest, at your very lowest of the lowest, not naked, but maybe, you know, shorts on or something. Um, when you're in the lowest of the lowest, even that will not separate you from the love of God. You know, the poverty, maybe you may think about it that way, you know. Um, it will not separate you from the word of God, uh, from the love of God, rather. Uh, peril, you know, when we're in perilous times, we're in perilous times right now. But that still cannot separate us from the love of God. Or sword, you know, death. You know, the sword there is implying death. You know, you being killed because of God, you know, is, it will still not separate us, you know. Uh, I read a scripture that said to be absent in the, in the flesh is to be present in the spirit. You know, to be absent here is to be present there. So in the, in the end, it's a win-win. So all these things that are meant to be uh, bad and separating are actually what draws uh, God's closer to us. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now it says there more than, right? When, when I was learning English, they tell me that you use the phrase more than when you get more than what you ask for, right? They taught me all the good things about more than, but they didn't teach me all the bad things about more than. Because sometimes we may gain more than what we expected, but we may also lose more than what we expected, right? Um, how many of you all been to a restaurant and you, you get charged more than what you ate, you know? You ask yourself, who ordered gratuity, you know? <laughs> <laughs> who ordered gratuity? I thought it was free refills, <laughs> you know? What's all these three, three, three sodas? You know, who did this? It's two of us, you know? And I blame myself because when I go out to eat, I drink a lot of beverages, not alcoholic, what don't you think? Um, I drink a lot of sweet tea. I like sweet tea. We, you know, my wife knows I order sweet tea all the time, if it's available. Some restaurants are, are on my blacklist because they don't have sweet tea. But I, I enjoy a good sweet tea, and uh, often if I get more than three, they're charging, and I'm like, that was free refills, you know, but false advertising, you know. So right there, more than, you know, like I said, it could be good, you know. Have you ever gotten more than what you asked for? You know, when I'm trying to think of a scenario, I had, I had one in my mind and it just went away. But let's say you're ordering food, you know, start talking about food. You know, you order uh, a 20-piece chicken nugget from McDonald's and you get 22. Amen. 
more than, you know? Here's my example. I, I remember it now. I, I like soft serve ice cream, you know? And a lot of times they have the pictures of the sizes of the cones. You got small, medium, and large. We had actually ice cream yesterday. That's why I remember. And um, I saw the picture, and I said, well, let me get a medium because it looked, it looked you know, decent. When I got it, it was uh, this big cone and all the way to the top. I was like, this is a medium? I'm like, you should have gotten a large. Um, <laughs> but I ended up getting, a, you know, I got more than what I thought I was going to get. You know, then it turns out I paid more than what I needed to pay because they, they didn't take my order right. Yeah. So it's, it says here that we are more than conquerors, right? More than conquerors. What does that mean? We conquer, but we're more than that. We have victory, but we have maybe unexpected victory, something that you weren't expecting. Like, I wasn't expecting that, but I got, I became more than a conqueror, you know? Uh, people like to talk good things about their football teams. You know, like, oh, my team conquered last night. No, you only won by two points, you know? That's not conquering. Because a victory comes, it's slight, you know, slight happiness. But when you're, when you're more than a conqueror, when you're unexpecting it, you will always be rejoicing. It's like, man. I did not deserve this, but I got more than what I asked. Just like when you get that extra chicken nugget, you know, I got more than what I asked. That cone is overflowing, you know, that sweet tea is overflowing because of all the ice, not really tea. They'll play tricks, <laughs> right? So more than, like I said, a lot of times it can be used for bad, you know, losing. We lose more than what we, we expect to lose. But at the same time, we can also gain more than what we thought we would have gained. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, continuing on, I'm sorry, uh, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, Paul here tried to use... Like I said, all, all examples, you know, says, nor death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. I don't know how those things go together. Um, nor any creature, he says, just any creature, you know, the Loch Ness Monster can't, you know, any creature. That, that that's, comes to my mind. It may not be true, but that's just how I think. I'm sorry. But it says there, neither death, you know, if we die, we think, well, we're separated from the love of God after we die, we, we're, but we're going to be with him. We're going to be even closer now. Uh, nor life, you know, we all go through life, right? And we may think, well, God is not with me in this part of my life. Truth is, he is there, you just don't see him. He's working behind the scenes, right? Nor angels, I want to say it's talking about good and bad angels, you know. There are the fallen angels, you know, working against they're the ones that are there for you. And, and one thing that was revealed to me is that angels, you know, are also created by God to worship him. But yet he decides to love us humans rather than the angels that are constantly worshiping him. Right? So it's saying maybe the angels will get jealous that, you know, you're getting all the love and you're not really worshiping him. You know? 
But no, not even those angels that are jealous. I'm not saying they're going to be jealous. I'm just, like I said, in my mind. Um, none of that will separate you from the love of God. Nor principalities. Uh, principalities, are the powers, the rulers of the earth, you know. None of that will separate the powers. Uh, nor things present, you know. Things, now keep in mind he wrote this in the middle of tribulation. Meaning, the things that are happening right now, all this tribulation. Uh, Paul wrote this. I saw confusion in your face, but I'm sorry. Um, in the middle of tribulation, he said, none of the things that are happening right now will separate you. Nor the things that are to come. So Paul was speaking for the future for times like this. Times that are coming right now, you know. Uh, even technology, you know, new things. You know, Siri cannot separate you from the love of God. Coronavirus cannot separate you from the love of God. You know, the media cannot separate you from politics. Nothing can separate you. You know, it's talking about the things that are to come. Uh, nor the height, you know. I don't know why height is there, but I'm sure it's a, it's a reason why. Uh, nor the depth. So nothing, nothing too high, nothing too low, nothing too deep. You know, you, you cannot be so deep down in, in a situation that God, uh, that you'll be separated from God, uh, from God, rather. Nor you can be too high, you know, in your high horse or flying high that you'll be separated from God, nor any other creature. Like I said, uh, you can add a creature there of your liking. Um, but even then, you will not be separated from the love of God. Paul made it very clear. He put everything he could think of, like literally, you know, like I just read. And yet some of us are going to stand there and quiver thinking God is going to forsake us. We may say, God surely can't love me anymore, you know. He is through with me. He has had it with me. But look at what it says. Nothing can separate us from that love of God which is in Christ Jesus. No angel, no principality, no power, nothing that has ever been before or shall ever come. Things present, things to come, height, depth, or anything created will be able to separate you from God's love in Christ. Because God's love is for you constant. It is eternal. And then it's not based upon you, but upon his own nature of love. Now, God is love. That's his nature. His nature is to love, right? Us, we are, our nature is not to love, right? Um, he loves us regardless of us loving him back. Says even we don't, when, when we don't love him or we don't show forth that love, he still loves us. You know, I, I tease my little nieces around, you know, I say, hey, I, I love you. They're like, I don't, you know, like, well, I don't love you either, you know? But God doesn't, <laughs> I'm just, I tease him, I said, I'm not being for real, I do love him. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, but imagine if God was that way. If God was like me, you know, mm, mm, mm. good thing he's not. But even more like, God, I don't love you because I'm going through this. He's like, I'll still love you, you know. Love me or hate me, I'll still love you. <laughs> you know, those are resounding words of my parents. Because <laughs> um, I used to get mad at my mom. And, you know, we all did it. We all done it. I'm sorry. Um, he loves us regardless of us loving him back, like I said. His love is constant, and it remains. God doesn't love us when we are good or hate us when we are bad, you know? When, when my wife and I are in a little truffle, and I say, baby, I love you. Mm -hmm. I don't get that. I love you, too, you know? Or the other way around, you know, to not put her out there. She's like, baby, I love you. I'm like, what do you want? <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Here's my car, you know. <laughs> no, she says, I love you a lot, you know. Too much. Very much. I like it. Yeah, that's how it should be. Amen. <laughs> um, yeah, God doesn't love us when we are good or hate us when we are bad. When we are doing bad, he still loves us, right? 
unlike, yeah, <laughs> use that example already. For better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, you know? Some people will hate you because you're poor or hate you because you're rich. Maybe. I don't know. In sickness and in health, you know, when I'm sick, I become a big baby. And my wife hates that. <laughs> so she doesn't love me, you know, when I'm sick. <laughs> she cares for me. That's different. <laughs> yes, she does. <laughs> I'm a big baby. I mean, I get a splinter and I'm like, oh, I have a boo-boo. <laughs> she said, don't cry. Be a man. I'm trying. I, I'm a man. <laughs> Sickness or health, all the way, you know. His love is there and it is constant. We are grateful for that love this morning, aren't we? We're grateful for his love. And now I am here to remind you that if the spirit of God is in you and you have been adopted through the spirit of adoption, then you are more than a conqueror. We have just read that we are more than conquerors through him that loves us. God's love is a promise given to those who believe in him. Just as we read in John 3.16, you know, one famous scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have everlasting life. That is one of the greatest promises, like I said, that God could have given us, and that is his love. Because God is love. The promise is for everyone who believes in him, the Bible says, we must trust him and we must have faith in him, believe in him. And I'm here to tell somebody, like I said, that you are more than conquerors. One of my favorite promises is, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You know, what is to come, I mean, what's going on right now is, is, doesn't compare. You know, it's, it's not even like to the, to the glory which is going to be revealed in us. Now, we are more than conquerors, Amen. The problem of this time, uh, the problem of this time, the situation that you may be going through, uh, the fear that you may feel, the sin that torments you, the spirits that attack you, depression, or whatever it is that you're going through today, none of this is to compare to the glory that is to come. With the, uh, the promise that God has given us, this has to be revealed. Victory will come. Glory is to come because we are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Now, how does... How has the Christian become more than conqueror? Not brother Christian, but, you know, Christians. Christ-like people. Love you, bro. He conquers with great power, the power of Jesus. That's how we become conquerors. He conquers with a greater motive, the glory of God. Not for ourselves, but for the glory of God. He conquers with greater victory without losing anything, even in battle. You know, we may think we lost, but we're conquering. We're more than conquerors. We're winning. We conquer with greater love, conquering enemies with love and converting enemies with patience. Now, this came with a commentary that I, that I want to read to you all um, that really stuck out to me because, you know, this was really, really re revealing to me. Um, as it says in Romans 8.37, yet in all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Paul is not simply saying that we will be victorious over our calamities, but he is saying that we are more than conquerors, not that we are victorious just by hairs. Uh, breath of the jaws of defeat, but what is this abundant victory? There must be something more than just victory to correspond to the power of the victori a victorious Christ that is in us. We not only hinder the trials and tribulations that come against us, but we convert them into our helpers for, uh, and allies. That's how we become more than conquerors. Uh, this is what it means to be more than a conqueror, to convert the enemy conquered into a friend and a helper. 
The pain conquered transforms into our strength. The sorrow conquered transforms into our joy. The famine conquered transforms into our feast. The nakedness becomes our blessedness. The sword transforms into our peace. By overcoming and converting these enemies, we become more stronger and more rooted to fight every uh, battle that comes against us through Christ's love. Note that uh, not only is a victory uh, more than bare victory, but it has converted our enemies into our allies. These are the victories that are won while we are in the strife. It is not that we shall be conquerors in some far-off heaven uh, when we are no longer in this strife, but it is in here and now that we are conquerors, in the hand-to-hand and in the foot-to-foot death grapple that we do overcome. So, when, so then when uh, we conquer the world, but the real victory arrives when the point of all this is your conscious possession of the love of Christ. That is the real victory. The only thing real victory, uh, the, the only real victory in life if the world has helped you to lay hold of Christ, then you conquered it. But if the world has loosened you to grasp the love of Jesus Christ, then the world has conquered you. Right? We are more than conquerors through the love of, of God. And um, that's the end of my note. So I, I want to ask you all to stand and uh, I want to pray for, for this word. Again, I understand I may have been all over the place. And I pray that um, somebody may find understanding out of this, even one point. Um, but I just want to, to remind you all, like I said, that we are more than conquerors. You know, when you think that you are not going to make it, we are more than conquerors. You know, when the famine comes, when the nakedness, let's hope not, you know, when all those things come, we are more than conquerors. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us. You know, I just went through all that list of things that may try to separate us or that we think in our minds that will separate us. But God is saying, I still love you, you know, and this is for somebody today. Um, So can we just raise a hand and receive that? Jesus, I give you thanks for the word that you have spoken today. And I give you thanks for you are sovereign, Lord, for you are great and greatly to be praised, Lord. You are merciful, Lord God. You truly are God, Lord Jesus, and I pray, Lord, that somebody will receive this word. I pray that you will touch somebody's life, Lord, and I pray that you will reveal your love to somebody. Lord, I pray that as we go forth in your walk, that that we uh, get victory after victory, more than what we expect, as it is promised in your word. And I pray, Lord, that everybody in this place be blessed, Lord. Bless them in a great and mighty way, Lord, and and, and use this word, Lord, to to better them in their life and their walk, Lord, and give them that encouragement that they need today, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, somebody said amen. And clap your hands on to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Appreciate that uh, walk through Romans chapter 8. Amen. How many of you, that portion of scripture that Brother Sanchez pointed to is his favorite, one of his favorite passages where he said that the sufferings, plural, of this present time aren't even worthy to be compared with the glory that is to come. Brother Eric let a little secret out there that I'm sure is only him. doesn't apply to anybody else. My wife's not here right now, so I can say that. That us big, strong men tend to be a little bit um, needy when we're not feeling well. A little, I don't, You know, we're supposed to be the tough guys, but I, my wife is able to endure exponential more pain than I am. 
if I'm a little bit sick, it's the end of the world. I, I, need, I need chicken noodle soup. I, I, need, you know, I need Vicks Vapor Rub. I need, I need some Sprite, some 7-Up to go with. I, I'm going to try every culture's remedy for sickness. I'm going to try them all. And my wife, if she's sick, she doesn't, she doesn't really ask for anything. She may yell a few things, but she doesn't ask for much. And I, I think when we're in a place of suffering, we think the best remedy is sympathy. All right, men? No? Okay, I'm alone. Brother Eric, you're with me, right? We think the best remedy. Sympathy is not the best remedy for suffering. Amen? The Bible says that in 1 Samuel 30, David had to come to a place where he wasn't getting sympathy from anybody else. And he had to encourage himself in the Lord. And I, I think the way that David, if we read into the Psalms, the, way, the best remedy for suffering is not sympathy, it's hope. It's hope that it's not always going to be this way. Amen? The best remedy for suffering is, is not, you know, that there's a, a cure or somebody's going to come along and, and give, me, you know, give me what I need and make me feel better. No, it's hope that it's not always going to be this way. I mean, if you're here today and you came looking for sympathy, I hope you find compassion here today. But that's not what's going to help you. We didn't come today to give you a sympathetic Savior. We came today to give you a Savior that brings hope. Amen. That it's not always going to be this way. That whatever you're going through right now. And I like the way Paul said it, that your sufferings, put them all together, plural. Put all of them together. Your sufferings are not, not is not, not suffering is but sufferings are, all of them together, all your pain that, you've ever, that you're going through right now, put all of it together and, and all of it cannot even be, be put on the same page with the glory that is coming. That gives me hope. That gives me hope everything's going to be all right. That gives me hope. Amen. That I, if I'm going to make it through this and when I get through it, the joy that's waiting for me on the other side of this tribulation and this persecution and the famine and the height and the depth and all the other stuff is not even worthy to be put in the same paragraph with the glory that's going to be revealed in my life. Amen. I want you to right now to be encouraged by hope that it's going to be better. Amen. That it's going to be all right. That nothing is going to separate me from the love of God that is in Christ. Amen. Thank you, Brother Sanchez. Amen. I hope you find those other notes. We want to hear... We want to hear the missing. I like that little cliffhanger, like a, what do they call that? A radio, I think they call them a tease. They put the tease on there to make sure you stay through to the commercial break. So I think he's going to put some eagerness. The next time he teaches, everybody's going to, oh, Brother Sanchez is teaching. We can find the missing notes. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to 